In ministry, there is a temptation to avoid subjects that rock the boat. So long as you keep preaching on things that keep people happy, they'll keep coming back Sunday after Sunday. At least that's what people think. Recently, we have tried something different at St. John's with our series on confronting controversy. Rather than relying on the familiar stories of the Bible, we have deliberately confronted some of the most challenging topics for the church today. We've looked at the separation of church and state, creation versus evolution, the death penalty, suicide. This Sunday, our fall intern is tackling the subject of prayer in public schools, but I wanted to record some of my thoughts on the subject as well. Here is Jesus talking about prayer from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heaped up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. When I was in high school, I was on the swim team. Every winter, we would gather at the indoor pool down the road every afternoon for practice, and we had our competitive meets on Friday evenings. When I was a freshman, I thought it would be a good idea to gather with some of my friends on the team and offer uh, a time of group prayer before we swam. Not prayers that we would beat the other team or that we would swim faster than how we swam last week, but prayers for safety, uh, for competitive joy, for time together. And so I gathered with some of my friends. We stood in a circle and we prayed. We started it our freshman year and we did it again our sophomore year. In junior year, I was elected captain of the swim team. And when we got together for our first meet like I had done the last two years, I told my friends and the people on the team that if they wanted to come join us in prayer, it was not an expectation, it was not a requirement, but they could meet with us over on the side. And we went over to the corner of the area, we held hands, and I led us in prayer. And as soon as we finished, I opened my eyes and I walked over to my bag to get ready. And the coach came over and he grabbed me on the shoulder and he pulled me aside and he said, I'm really sorry, but you can't do that anymore. At the time, I had no idea why he would ask me or tell me that I couldn't do it. After all, I'd been doing it for two years. And so I asked him to explain, and he said, you're the captain of the team now. You can't lead prayers because it seems as if everyone has to because you're the captain. You're more than welcome to continue to pray with them, but you can't lead it. Because if you lead it, we might have an issue with prayer in public school. Prayer in public school is one of those controversies that dominate media time as if it is the most important issue for Christians today. Just this week, it was clear from the passionate responses in our lectionary Bible study that this is a very important issue, one that they care about deeply. However, I never grew up being required to pray in school. It ended because of a Supreme Court decision in the early 1960s. 
I had a moment of silence at my high school that I can remember every morning. It was an opportunity for us to pray if we wanted to, but we were never told nor were we expected to. I think the real controversy about prayer in public school has very little to do with public schools and has everything to do with our churches. Across the American landscape today, churches are losing attendance each and every Sunday. Churches are trying to figure out in any way, shape, or form how they can get young people to come back to church. I hear it over and over again. As a 28-year-old pastor in the Virginia Conference, I get bombarded with questions almost on a weekly basis about how we can get my missing group of millennials in the church. We expect That the church can fix all these problems we have in society? At least that's the way we used to think, but now we've changed. Now we expect schools to raise our children, teach them arithmetic and history and language arts, teach them how to behave and be polite. We even want them to teach our children how to be faithful. Our fear over the lack of prayer in public school is more about our laziness and apathy as a church than it does with our desire for children to be more faithful. For if we really desired for them to be faithful, we would go out of our way to invite young families to church. We would crucify our ministerial programs that cater to those who have been in church for a long time, and we would reimagine what it means to be the church in the world today. But instead, in the United Methodist Church, The average United Methodist invites one person to worship once every 33 years. That is absurd. So instead of doing the hard work, instead of trying to bring families into the church and help them to learn what it means to be prayerful and faithful, we want to bicker and argue about the role of prayer in public schools. As if requiring children to pray every morning in a classroom would fix all the problems in the world. And we want the schools to do this because we think it will make our churches full every Sunday. I read this week from a group that believes on reinserting prayer in public school. And one of their justifications for it was, if we had prayer in public schools, Columbine would never have happened. As if requiring those students in Colorado all those years ago to say something like the Lord's Prayer every morning would prevent that horrible atrocity from happening. But requiring children to do anything is a sure way to never get them to do it. We all know this. We can barely remember some of the things we were required to memorize and learn when we were in school. But that's not what prayer is all about. Prayer is about communing with the divine. It is about that sweet time set apart Not time filled with big words and standing from the pulpit and leading it for an entire congregation, but as Jesus says, to do it in secret, to shut ourselves off from the world, to take time apart, to really grow in our faith. That's not something we can teach in public schools. And frankly, it's not something we should teach in public schools. It's something we should teach in church. It's something we should teach in worship. And that can only happen, that can only bear fruit in our churches and in the world if the church stops being so lazy and believes that it has the responsibility to love children, to change their identities, to be more faithful for children, to believe that we can do impossible things like change our entire world. I'm grateful to be part of a church that believes in confronting the controversies that other people would rather ignore. 
I am grateful that we have the time set apart to confront these things prayerfully and faithfully, to really wrestle with what it means to be a Christian in the world today. But what I'm most grateful for is our Lord who listens to our prayers, the prayers we offer in school, the prayers we offer in church, the prayers we offer in our homes, the Lord who listens, who acts, and who remains faithful to us even when we fall short.